Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This week, reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from September 10th, 1983, originally taped on August 31st, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I'm the great Brian Last. My pleasure to be with you once again. And of course, the man who joins me on this journey through wrestling history each and every week from booking the territory, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great, Brian. I just had some scrambled eggs and sausage without a biscuit and definitely without that vomit gravy. So things are looking up this morning as we head into another episode of Mid-South Wrestling. I've got visions of French toast dancing in my head, so I think we're starting off on a positive note here. And we have a very interesting episode of Mid-South Wrestling. You know, we have alluded to it. We're kind of in this weird period of time here where there's still really good stuff, but the show feels a little different. And of course, we are mere months away from the big talent trade between Mid-South and Memphis Wrestling, where you would see a lot of the guys from Jarrett's company come in and really change the entire territory, including probably most notably the booker, Bill Dundee. But we're at a weird point in time here where all of a sudden, there is a lot of Georgia Championship Wrestling, or I guess I should say World Championship Wrestling stars on the show here, assuming that the Mid-South fans are familiar with everyone that's on Channel 17 out of Atlanta. Like I said, good stuff, but it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit different paced. What do you think? I totally agree with you. Um, the problem for a guy like me who didn't have cable, I didn't you know, I only saw these guys in the magazine, so I wasn't familiar with them in terms of seeing them on TV. So that made a, that's a big difference. And then to the first point you made, we are in a very weird time period because things are going to, I guess you'd say, like you say, drastically change when we go over into a couple more months from now. So for now, we've got this kind of weird mix of the, the, you know, world championship wrestling guys in here. And we've also got a weird mix of, you know, the tag teams. You and I have had that discussion over the last couple of weeks as well, where the tag team division, for what it's going to be shortly to what it is now, just completely different. Nothing like what it's going to be. So we've got just a it's just a really strange mix. And I don't know if I really realized it until you and I started breaking it down week by week. And then when you get into this time period and you're seeing it week by week, you're like, man. Holy cow, things really are different during this time period, and they're really going to change once that Booker changes. Well, on that note, we'll have more about this as the show goes on, but let's go to the show open right now. Boyd Pierce and Cowboy Bill Watts. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and we have a lot of exciting action coming this week. The Junkyard Dog will be in the ring against Devastation Incorporated, 420 pounds from Atlantic City, New Jersey, King Kong Bundy. Tim Horner takes on Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. The Road Warriors are here, and Bill, a wild battle this week is going to be between Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Ted DiBiase. Well, you can see the crowd is riled up already as Bundy is waiting in the ring for the Junkyard Dog, but the thing that bothers me is Butch Reed, the North American champion, still in a contract dispute with Grizzly Smith over wrestling here on TV, said Grizzly's not getting him tough enough competition, that he's beat all the competition. Of course, that's easy to say when you don't want to wrestle him. But he's not here. Akbar's not here. Where is Kamala? What's happening? Because you know Ted DiBiase as well as I do that he's got some 
joker up his sleeve or an ace up his sleeve because of the way he challenged Hacksaw Dugan. But I guess we'll all just have to sit tight and see what happens. Let's go to the ring announcer, Jim Ross, for this first exciting main event. That's right. Well, once again, Mike, Reeser Bowden off this week. Jim Ross filling in as ring announcer on the television show. But right there at the top, they kind of allude to what would be a big story in the show, the Ted DiBiase-Hacksaw Duggan match, where if Ted DiBiase doesn't win, he leaves Mid-South Wrestling. Ted DiBiase has been one of the biggest stars in Mid-South Wrestling for years as a babyface, and then, of course, as a heel since the spring of 1982. All of a sudden, you know, it was just on TV, I challenge you to a match, if I don't win, I'll leave town. This kind of talks a little bit towards that point of, Things are a little weird in Mid-South. You would think if you're going to do a Loser Leaves Town match with DiBiase, you'd build it up. Instead, it just kind of was announced, and here it is, and it's on TV this week. Yeah, even though they stretched it out over a couple of weeks, they 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 have kind of, I guess you can say, I uh, feel like they've rushed into it between these two. Um, so it is kind of weird when you look at it from that perspective. I, I wanted to make note, too, before we move forward, if, for those watching along with us, I, I love Boyd Pierce's outfit in this week's episode. He's the, the size of the tie he's wearing is um is very clownish. I guess is the words I'm looking for. That thing is huge. Although I can't tell if the tie is blending into the vest he's got on. But he's got a navy blue sports coat on, a suit jacket, and this uh, weird looking tie that's very 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 big. Got a very big bottom to it. I guess is the words I'm looking for. Um, and like you said, Jim Ross is on not on commentary. Jim Ross is doing a ring announcer. He, ring announcing. He's filling in for for Reeser. Which I don't know if I like that too much, because that means we won't get those uh, great Reeser moments where he smiles and smirks at the camera and does his Reeser type things. Well, we go to our first match here. King Kong Bundy versus the Junkyard Dog, Rick Ferreira, the referee. Let's go to the opening minutes of this match to hear what Cowboy Bill Watts thinks about Bundy and the dog. Junkyard Dog. Well, this should be in a tremendous bout. The Junkyard Dog, the superstar of professional wrestling, against King Kong Bundy, the man with a five count, the avalanche. And with Bundy, it's not a victory unless he counts five. I can't imagine him putting Dog down for a five count. But also, Bundy, at 420 pounds, if he gets you that avalanche, no man's come out from under it. Steve, Dr. Death Williams managed to get a foot over the rope and then slide out to the floor but it really strained him. But no man has come out from under it, and this is going to be the test. As you know, the junkyard dog can bench press 600 pounds, so it's possible. But this is the whole thing, I feel, is these two super dreadnought heavyweights as they're locking up, and you hear the crowd, and Grizzly Smith and Mid-South have given you this tremendous main event as the crowd chants JYD, JYD, JYD. Dog went for the for the body slam, but Bundy is Bundy is holding off and getting the weight out from under him and driving him off as he drives those forearm smashes into the kidney area. And I guarantee you, any of you have been hitting the kidneys with a short punch or any of you pro fighters know exactly what I'm talking about. There are Bundy is going to body slam JY. JY is really dropping the weight and straining into that front face lock, and he gives Bundy a quick short forearm across the chops. Bill the junkyard dog in tremendous physical condition. Well, you know, they say he's changed his training routine because he's on the hunt. He's on the hunt now against Hacksaw Butch Reed in the North American title. And this issue's not settled, and it's strange that Reed is avoiding television matches because it seems like he's got the word that dog's on the hunt. Of course, Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer from Atlanta's here. He's on the hunt also. 
He's after JYD. JYD, you know, but by being a man of such popularity and such drawing power and money-making power, everybody's after him. And there's Bundy trying to go right off with that high hammerlock. Of course, you kids an amateur, you can't take a hammerlock that high, but in pro wrestling, they can take it as high as they want, and you got two choices. Let's sit there and let that arm get torn off or give up. Well, there you hear it, Mike. Some words from Cowboy Bill Watts about this match and the competitors in it. And on the topic of hammerlock, that is one of the big themes of the match in terms of the wrestling. King Kong Bundy works dog's arm, and then the dog works King Kong Bundy's arm. Yeah, these two were on the mat a lot. This thing was super slow. Um, and I'm not trying to insult these two. I know Bundy's a big dude, but we've seen him get in there and go. And I know dogs gaining weight, but we've still seen him get in there and go. But they work a very, very, very slow match. And again, I'm not trying to be insulting here when I say that about this approximately 10 minute long match. Um, I didn't expect them to do cartwheels and flips or anything like we see nowadays, but it was super slow. I mean, they worked that hammer lock. It felt like forever. And, and I guess I'll leave it at that. The other thing I wanted to point out is you heard... Watts talks about the the five count at the very beginning of the commentary, and he's you know basically laying it in. He's like, it's gonna be real hard for for Bundy to, to get dog for the five count. Just make that mental note, and we will revisit that in a second when we when we talk about the the close of this match or the finish of this match. Well, let's revisit that right now. Let's go to the closing minutes of this match because a lot goes on here, and of course, like you said, the five count is a big part of that. Beat the dog right here on television. What a feather in his cap. Whoa! Bundy really caught the dog. The dog was coming in, and Bundy caught him a forearm shot at 420 pounds with the ring post behind him, which gave him a, a rock-like foundation. Bundy's got him up for the avalanche. Bundy's got JYD. This could be the biggest upset in wrestling. One, two, three, but it's, it's got to be a five-count, Boyd. Four. That dog, Whoa. look at that. Look at that. The dog... 600-pound bench press power. He he pressed Bundy clear off on top, and Rick Ferrara was actually smashed like being run over with an asphalt steamroller. And Bundy back up and taking to the dog with the dog fighting back with that heart that made him so great. That's the courage factor. Oh, and he just decapitated. He just decapitated Bundy. New referees coming into the ring to make the count. Mad Dog Bus Sawyer. Mad Dog Bus Sawyer just came in the ring. Referee calling for the disqualification. But Sawyer's out there. The dog's got Sawyer. Mad Dog Sawyer's out there. The dog is whipping him. Now Bundy catches the dog from behind. Bundy's got, now Sawyer's holding. Looks like Bundy's gonna take Dog's head off. Dog got out of the way. Bundy almost decapitated Buzz Sawyer. Now the dog is firing back. Dog picked him up for the thump. I never could believe it. Dog picked him up for the thump. Dog has got him for the thump. The missing link, the missing link just dove off on the dog. The missing link just dove off on the log. Now that's Mad Dog, they're all on him. They're all on the dog. The missing link just driving it in. The missing link is pounding the dog. Buzz Sawyer, Bundy. 
The Junkyard Dog is going to take on the whole card, it looks like. Here comes Hacksaw Diggins. Here comes the dog. The Prince of Junior just tore the head off of Buzz Sawyer. He's after the missing link. Magnum TA, George Weindrop, and Dugan. Dugan is really upset. Dugan, watch your back, because at any moment, DiBiase could have used this action to try to take Dugan. Look at Dugan, his head's on a swivel, looking every way to see if DiBiase's gonna try to sneak in, but the junkyard dog is down. And Bill, a tremendous move was when the dog put a big thump on 420-pound King Kong Bundy. Tag team action coming up when we return after this word. Well, there you hear it, Mike, the finish of the match. I guess the dog wins via disqualification, technically. Although there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Johnny Martinez comes in as the second referee when Rick Ferreira gets squashed. And I'll let you talk about that in a second. And twice he goes to count. And both times, they're very, very slow counts. After the dog hits the thump, in a sense. I mean, it's not... Bundy didn't really go up very well for it. After he hits it on Bundy, even though the match had already been... The bell had already rung. The match was already over. It was a DQ. At that point, Johnny Martinez, again, for some reason, goes down to count, and it's a really slow count for no reason, and then the missing link jumps in. But, Mike, recap what went on here at the end. Yeah, everything, as we always say, everything was not airtight, brother, uh, for this one, especially with that count from Johnny Martinez. So you heard it there. I'll try to try to summarize it for you. So Bundy, he initially catches Dog with a forearm shot when Dog was following Bundy into the corner. And Bundy hits JYD with what Watts calls the avalanche. But I got to say, even that avalanche wasn't very impressive from, from Bundy. But no, it wasn't even an avalanche. It was just a forward slam. It was just he fell on him. You're, you're, yes, I was being kind of kind, to be honest. You're right. It wasn't even an avalanche. Bundy just kind of picked him up and was standing there parallel or, or facing the, the ropes. And he just kind of like drops. So then. You know, we get the one, two, three count, which, again, that's why I said let's revisit this. Watts said there's no way Bundy's going to pin Dog for five. And, well, it came to fruition right there because at the four count, Dog then bench presses Bundy off of him. And that's when Bundy lands on Ricky Ferrara and Ricky Ferrara is then out. Uh, so, yeah, we definitely weren't going to get Dog down for five. We got him for four, but not for five. So he bench presses Bundy. Bundy lands on Ricky Ferrara. This leads to JYD eventually nailing Bundy with a serious lariat. Then Dog has Bundy pinned. Uh, this is after Dog, quote-unquote, hits Bundy with his thump, which, to what Brian just said, really wasn't a thump. It was pretty much the same thing Bundy did to him. <laughs> Bundy goes up, although not well, and Dog just falls forward, and that was it. We've seen some thumps from Dog that look 10 times better than that. But anyway, I digress. Sawyer, uh, Dog has Bundy pinned, but Buzz Sawyer hits the ring. Uh, dog fights back though. Eventually, dog hits Bundy with a thump. Uh, well, no, I already already mentioned that. But apparently, this is a DQ. But like to the point you made, when dog hits Bundy with a thump, the ref, I don't know what the hell he's doing. He's like counting to three, and I could have counted to twenty in the time it took him to count to try to count to three. I don't know why he was counting because the bell was already ringing, signifying that there was a DQ. The, I, it just, everything's not always airtight, brother. I guess I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and I guess one of the other big points coming out of this is that the person that made the save was Hacksaw Duggan. He saved the junkyard dog, and that'll play into things later on in the show. Coming out of that match, 
we get our next match, a tag team match, the Road Warriors, the international tag team champions out of Atlanta versus Rick Rude and Art Cruz. So we have three guys in this match out of the Eddie Sharkey training school, Rick Rude and the Road Warriors here. Randy Pee Wee Anderson, the referee. Let's hear some audio from Cowboy Bill Watts, a little bit about what we just saw, the previous match, Junkyard Dog and King Kong Bundy, as well as his thoughts about the Road Warriors. That's their tactic, they're just an onslaught. They just come at you like a one-man war. The Road Warriors are taking on Rick Rude and Art Cruz. You know, Boyd, I'm still trying to put all together what's just happened. The Junkyard Dog, the top superstar in the wrestling world, triple team by Bundy, Buzz Sawyer, and then the missing link. And Akbar hasn't been present. We know Akbar's association with Link. What bothers me is we know Akbar's association with Ted DiBiase. And, you know, I, I hate to be maybe guessing about ahead of myself or anything else, but if you were Ted DiBiase and wanted to get Dugan in a lot of trouble, maybe you would figure, instead of trying to jump Dugan, who's looking for you this time, knowing how you operate, you might try to conform a conspiracy to get rid of the junkyard dog, the one super powerhouse that could come to Dugan's aid because the Dugan has helped the dog before. So now you're down to Magnum TA, Johnny Rich, George Weingroff, and others that could help Dugan, but you've taken out the big gun. And I, you know, I don't know. It just, you know, my mind is, I just can't help but sit here and try to figure out what's going down because I know Ted DiBiase and Skandar Akbar want to get rid of Hacksaw Dugan. And they have no love for JYD. And where's Butch Reed? You know, we saw here, what, three weeks ago, where Kamala came in. So we know that they'll stop at nothing. But right now, the Road Warriors, the men that came down from Big Atlanta to take on the Mid-South Tag Champions last week, and they got where they found out that guys like Dugan and Magnum TA could wrestle as well as fight. And these guys have been running over everybody all around the country. They came down here to Mid-South, and what I've told you all before, the toughest wrestling in the world is here in Mid-South. And when that fight got tough, it got a little too tough in the kitchen for the Road Warriors, and Dugan and T.A. kind of made their reputation get a little bit of the size taken out of it. But now they're back against a couple guys they feel they can intimidate, and they really are pulling it out. But I'm only impressed, like I said before, when you get people of the same caliber in there, that's when you see who really the tough ones are. Without a doubt, these are tremendous physical ex specimens, but I don't think they'd count it on the heart of a Hacksaw Dugan and Magnum TA and the ability of, that the Mid-South Tag Champions have. Rick Rude getting it. Both men kicking in the gut there. These guys really like to get two-on-one. Their tactic is to separate and destroy. With the fine wrestlers that are here building this territory, like you said, anybody, wherever they are coming to Mid-South, if you're coming down here, you better bring it with you because you're going to Whoa, get Look at that clothesline. Look at that clothesline, Boyd. He tags out, and the one called the animal. The hawk tagged out, and the animal came in. Power slam. Hard crew. Well, there you hear it. The Road Warriors with a victory. Animal hitting a power slam on Art Cruz. A lot that Bill Watts said. It's weird, Mike. Because Akbar isn't on this episode, a little bit of a spoiler for later in the show, Akbar isn't here. But Watts keeps bringing up Akbar and Butch Reed. You would think they were going to play a part in the things that happened later in the show, but they're not here at all. It is weird that he keeps planting that seed. What do you think, uh, I don't remember from this time, the local promos, but Brian, what do you think? 
Do you think they Reed and Akbar may have been on a local promo or two here? I would I would think they would have been, but I, I don't know. I'm just just spitballing right now. I would think certainly Reed Akbar. I'm not sure. Again, I haven't watched the episodes right after this in a while. We're gonna watch them in the next few weeks. I don't remember how much more Akbar does in Mid South between now and when he returns around this time, actually, in 1984. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you and. I don't want to spoil things, so we'll just leave it at that. Uh, so on this match, I, got, I had a couple of thoughts. Uh, I, I actually thought, although Watts is talking about how Reed and Akbar are MIA in this episode, I actually wanted to say Watts really made some good points, though, about, you know, we got this big match coming up with DiBiase and Duggan. And we know that's, you know, I, regardless of how they've built it, we know that it's a, it's a big deal because if DiBiase loses, he's going home. And I thought this the the mindset of, hey, you know, you take JYD out, that potentially takes out somebody that may come out and help uh, Duggan in that matchup. Now, it, we shouldn't have anybody interfering, but we all know how pro wrestling is. Interference is interference. It happens all the time. So I, I thought that was a, a great comment from Watts as he laid out, hey, why they would do what they did in that last match versus JYD. So good stuff right there. I also wanted to make mention Watts, he didn't really like try to bury anyone but you can tell he tried to he's putting his guys over because he brings up last week with the warriors versus duggan and ta and watts takes that opportunity to use last week's finish as an opportunity to just put over the toughness of the mid-south guys you know hey you know when you put equal guys up against each other you kind of see how it happens and you know to his point his guys never laid down but neither did the road warriors either so there's that he watts is going to take every opportunity to make sure his guys look strong and that was that. One other thing, Brian, I know you, you know, we, we haven't, we talked about Rick Rude when he made his debut versus Rip Rogers and whatnot, but Rick Rude here, 1983, he's got some definition, some muscle, um, but he's not as big as he'll become. I, uh, I do a world-class show, as I've mentioned on this show a few times, and we are talking about right now when Rude comes into world-class in November of 85 with Percy Pringle. Man, let me tell you, I just watched that episode, Brian. I don't know if I realized until I rewatched it how much bigger Rude is in 85 versus how he looks right here. And again, I know it's two years time. So that's two years is a lot of time to pack on some muscle. I'm not I'm not trying to say you can't you can't gain some significant gains putting on some muscle. But man, he he's he's so much thicker and muscular when you see him in 85. So just wanted to point that out as we watch, I guess we can call it very early Rick Rude, especially early. In, I mean, Mid-South, this is, you know, 83. But just wanted to say that uh, as you watch the, or, or if you're a fan of Rick Rude, go go look at some of that world-class stuff in 85 and look at the size difference from here and now and just do a side-by-side comparison if you're interested. No, he's noticeably skinnier here, even though he is cut and defined. I will say it's also obvious why he started wearing pants, because I'm getting the feeling that every leg day he turned into ab day. (laughs) (laughs) And he just may not have done any leg work. You know, I'm glad you're on the same page as that with me, because (laughs) I was talking. um, Now, now Lance Peterson, my co-host, he agrees with me. He's like, yeah, Rude's Rude's legs are kind of skinny. But I was I was mentioning it to Doc and Harper on on the NWA show. I was like, because I brought up the same example. I was like, man, you, you guys should see Rude then. and. And it, and I was like, he's got skinny legs, and they were, and I can't remember which one said it, but they were like, what do you mean he's got skinny legs? I was like, dude, he wears pants because his legs are skinny. 
and I don't know if they agree with me, but you can definitely tell, even in those world-class shows in 85, when you see how big he is in the arms, chest, back, like you said, abs, my God. I mean, Jesus, you know, you can wash six loads of clothes on there and you're not going to, you know, it, it won't, it, they'll be clean as can be. He's just got just abs out of this world. And yeah, I'm I'm assuming he turned a uh, leg day into ab day every week. And that's no shot at Rick Rude. It's just his legs just, you know, he he's a, he's definitely waist up, just stacked. Well, coming out of that tag match, we get our next match, the missing link versus Rip Rogers, Johnny Martinez, the referee. Now you may notice this is a little bit weird. Rip Rogers has been a heel in mid South. He's going against the link. Bill Watts says on commentary that Grizzly Smith put the link in against another rough man to find out what would happen. Although Rip Rogers kind of plays babyface here. The other thing of note is that on commentary, he's not just Max now. Bill Watts is really trying to lay it in with the Mad Max. We talked about the fact that there are so many wrestlers influenced by the Mad Max films. Between The Missing Link being Max, The Road Warriors, based on the movie The Road Warrior, and of course later on Lord Humongous would come into Mid-South Wrestling. But now Watts is just flat out calling him Mad Max here during this match. Any thoughts or notes about this match, Mike? Well, I'm listening to you say that, and it's so true. Isn't it amazing how, no matter the era of wrestling, how something that is popular in, in the culture at the time translates somehow into wrestling? I, I, I guess is what I'm looking for, because you're right. They are wearing out the Max and the Mad Max and all that stuff. And it's just, like you said, th that film was influential, especially not just in culture, but I guess... We're seeing it now with pro wrestling over and over. So uh, I, I had to make that point as you talk about how you know, he, now he's saying Mad Max. I mean, we, we, we had to have an entire segment previously, not on this show, but in previous shows where we learned his name was Max. And now we're, we're rubbing in the Mad Max uh, for it all. So anyway, uh, some quick notes on this. Rip Rogers, like he does with everyone he shares the ring with, he, he, he's making the missing link look great because Rip just bouncing around, just selling everything. Rip is awesome. We've said that before, so I don't want to beat that dead horse. Um, you know, Link had Rogers pinned multiple times, but he kept he keeps picking Rip up at the two count each time. And then finally, you know, Link drops Rip way too far on the other side of the ring when he goes for his finisher, the knee drop. And Link can barely reach Rip Rogers for that knee that he's going to lay to the back. And damn near, I thought he almost hurt him. But I guess he didn't. And then he uh, does that modified camel clutch to pin Rip. So once again, Rip looks great. Mad Max Link <laughs> picks up a win. And there you have it. That camel clutch looked awful. Yes. <laughs> yes. He didn't even yes. put the arms around his knees. He just grabbed the chin. Well, he does it different every time, Brian. I don't know if you notice. He's not. When I say different, I mean, it's the same kind of quote unquote move, but like, I remember one time, I think he put both arms on the legs and then, like, did it crank back. But this time, he he doesn't even have his hands cupped under Rip's chin to really crank back. You know, Rip's selling it because Rip's a pro, but it just doesn't look good. But what looked worse was that knee drop from the corner. I mean, he uh, he he had Rip too far away from him, and it just looks stupid. I, I don't know how else to say it. Well, coming out of that match, our next match, Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. Versus Tim Horner, Randy Pee Wee Anderson, the referee. It's a pretty good little match. Buzz Sawyer and Horner work really well together. 
On commentary, Bill Watts says that next week, we will have Dusty Rhodes and Larry Zabisco. Larry Zabisco, of course, a star in Atlanta right now. So again, continuing the theme of wrestlers off Georgia TV coming in. Let's play some audio of Bill Watts talking about Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. They'd like to see Tim Horner beat Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. I'll tell you, Mad Dog, you better get your tetanus shots because that's twice now you've gnawed on the junkyard dog. Once in the Superdome that helped to cost him the North American title, you and Bundy. And now here in the dog's own yard again, you better get your tetanus shots because I know a dog that's got a toothache and a lot of frustration and he's going to be coming to chew on you. I can promise you that. You're going to find out whether you're a pit bull or a French poodle. Horner went for it, and then Sawyer went for it. These guys are taking it to the limit. Horner going for crossbody. Oh, Sawyer power slammed him in midair in a crossbody. You gotta give credit where credit. What an athletic move. Sawyer caught him, Bill, like you said, as he come across and gained a victory quickly over Tim Horner. The big match coming up, Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Ted DiBiase. We'll see it when we return after this word from Mid-South. Well, there you hear, and really the star of that clip is Bill Watts losing it when he sees what is a really impressive move. Tim Horner goes for the crossbody off the second turnbuckle, and Buzz Sawyer just turns it really quickly into a power slam. What are your thoughts or notes about this match, Mike? That power slam from the reverse crossbody from the corner looked phenomenal i mean they couldn't they couldn't have done that any better i mean tim goes in jumps to the second rope goes for the reverse crossbody. buzz sawyer catches him perfectly quickly turns it into that power slam phenomenal phenomenal look yeah tim horner once again overall though tim's selling tim looks great you know i my, my main note here was tim's tim's trying to wrestle whereas sawyer's trying to brawl but that power slam was just incredible. I also love Bill Watts' comments right there. He said Sawyer needs to get a tetanus shot. And uh, I kind of believe it as I, as I watch Buzz Sawyer when I was a kid. Man, that dude, he scared me. He didn't scare me like Kamala and some of these other guys do. But you just looked at him, and he looked like the unpredictable psycho. And that's why they called him Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. And he has just, like, bruises on his arm and on his head. Cuts. Like, he looks dirty. Yes. He looks dirty. His forehead looks like, I don't know, Brian, I'm sure you remember this. From, from 85 and 86, you'd tune in to Saturday night on TBS, and you'd see Magnum, and his head was just scarred up. And, and we, we used to have a running joke when we were doing that year of the show. We'd say, man, it looks like Magnum T.A.'s head got hit with a belt sander. Like, it looked like somebody just took a sander and just started belt sanding his head. There's a one shot when Sawyer, after Sawyer pins, Horner, where Sawyer gets up and it and you can look at his forehead. It looks like a belt sander hit his forehead. Like he had been juicing every night of the week, and his head just looks just all carved up. Not like Abdullah; it's his forehead, not the not the top of his head. But you're right; he just looks dirty. He looks grungy. He's got these bruises on his arms. He just he just looks like a dirty human being and a mad dog. I mean, the the, the name fit Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. It fit well for him. 
Coming out of that, we go to the big main event on this week's show. Hacksaw Duggan versus Ted DiBiase. No disqualification. If DiBiase loses, he leaves Mid-South Wrestling. Again, it's very weird that these stipulations were all of a sudden thrown into this match, which just popped up here on this week's show. Let's go to the opening minute of the match and hear what's going on right from even before the opening bell. Ladies and gentlemen, this match is one fall with television time remaining. No disqualification. DBIC is not waiting on anything. This is no disqualification. One fall or TV time remaining. And DBIC said if he doesn't beat Hacksaw Dugan that he would leave Mid-South. Said Dugan has interfered with his lifestyle and Dugan's run him out of some towns. And of course, Dugan's goal, he said after winning the tag titles, the Mid-South tag titles, was to get Dibiase clear out of Mid-South. And these guys are after each other. They know each other's tactics. They were, Dugan was formerly in the Rat Pack until Dibiase affiliated himself with Skandar Akbar. And Dugan said that's personal, that's family, that's un-American. And the big Dugan has been walking tall ever since. Oh, if he'd have caught Dibiase there. But like I say, Dibiase, a former West Texas State University football star, is a great athlete, a former North American champion, a master tactician. And here we are, Boyd Pierce, and this battle is a battle of survival, a battle for supremacy. Bill, like we said, we had no time for any kind of introduction, but this is a match it needs to be because the fans all know both contestants. Contestants know each other and their tactics. So it's Ted DiBiase against Hacksaw Jim Dugan, and the battle has been going on for minutes already. Two guys, again, like I say, no love loss. This is a battle of supremacy, a battle of manhood, a battle of pride. It's just a lot at stake right here. DiBiase knows better than to get that cocky with Jim Dugan because I'll guarantee you, with Dugan, you don't count him down until you get a one, two, three. When it comes to war, this man is a four-star general. I'll guarantee he's been there. Well, there you hear it, the opening minutes of the match. One note here, Jim Ross, the ring announcer, he doesn't get too much out before he has to flee the ring because the wrestlers, or DiBiase, I guess, attacked Duggan before the bell. Reese or Bowden would not have gotten out of the ring that quickly or sold it with his face the way Jim Ross did. He would have just kept announcing as he was walking casually out of the ring. <laughs> Reese would have been laughing as he tried to carefully get, honestly, carefully, but it scurried out of that ring. This is how it should be. You know, these two, they don't like each other. They shouldn't sit there and wait for a formal announcement. That's It's not how a real fight works. You don't like somebody in a real fight? You go at them. You're not waiting for somebody to say, on the blue side, you know, we got from two from New Orleans, weighing 200 pounds. You, you just, you're just going to start scrapping. I like that about old school wrestling. I like the fact that we don't have to wait for an announcement and to wait, well, there's no belt involved here, but to wait for the belt to be presented perfectly to the hard camera. It's just a brawl. And that's what these guys are here for. They're just here to brawl. Uh, we've got the stipulation with DiBiase. If he loses, he's leaving. They don't say for how long. I don't. I wanted to ask you about that because I swore I never heard a time. It's just he's got to leave. But we'll talk about that shortly. It, but this is just one of those matches that made you love Mid-South Wrestling. They're brawling. It's not fancy. It's not pretty. Just two guys with a long history that have personal issues. And the only way to solve that personal issue is to get in the ring and slug it out. And, I, I, you know, there's, it's simple. It's, it, it, we overcomplicate things in wrestling nowadays. This is, 
not overcomplicating anything. It is simple. Personal issues draws money. And when you have personal issues, two guys get out there and they fight it out. And that's what's happening here. Well, let's go now a little bit forward in the match and hear what's going on as we close things out. Again, a good back and forth match. The fans are really into it. The fans are more into this than they were the Junkyard Dog versus King Kong Bundy earlier in the show. But as we get ready for the closing minutes, a lot happens. Let's listen in and we'll talk about it on the other side. A man that has been a tremendous competitor in the Mid-South area for many years now, who's dominated it. And there Dugan went for that knee and DiBiase got out and Dugan drove his knee in there. DiBiase pulling around. DiBiase going for the figure four. DiBiase going for the figure four leg lock. I don't know if Dugan's ever been in a figure four. Dugan doesn't claim to have a great deal of wrestling skill, but we keep noting in his in his agenda and in his personal history, he was a state champion amateur in New York State. But I don't know what he knows about a figure four. He's, well, he's definitely in one now, Bill. He hadn't given up, though, Boyd. I think that DiBiase will have to go ahead and break his leg before Jim Dugan will give up. He has, I have never heard of Jim Dugan. He reversed it. He reversed, he's got DiBiase's figure four reversed. He reversed DiBiase's figure four. DiBiase's in pain now. The referee asking DiBiase. There's the Road Warriors. There's the Road Warriors, Boyd. The Road Warriors are pounding. They're pounding Dugan. The Road Warriors are pounding Dugan. Looks like DiBiase had himself a safety valve, a backup. Now look at him, they're holding him. They're holding Dugan. Dugan's fought to his feet. Now they're holding for DiBiase. Look at DiBiase. He's got the both of them holding. He's slapping Dugan. The worst insult. He's slapping Dugan. He's slapping him. Jed DiBiase's taunting him. And slapping him. Jim Dugan's helpless with a two powerful. Here goes Magna TA. And Rick Rude let the Road Warriors catch him coming. Now DiBiase picks Jim Dugan up to put the Cooney draw on him. DiBiase picks him up to put the Cooney draw on him. DiBiase loads up. DiBiase loads up. Comes the junkyard dog. There's a dog. There's a junkyard dog. Oh, gosh, he just, whoo, he splattered DiBiase. The road warrior got him. The back, front, everything that's available, the dog is putting it on him, Bill. But there's, the road warrior's got the dog from behind. Now DiBiase's got the board. DiBiase's got that board, and it looks like he's going to put JYD out. Looks like DiBiase's going to really tee off on Dugan. made it. Dugan speared him. Dugan speared him, boys. Now Dugan's got the board. Now tide has turned. Oh, boy. Boy, look at that. Dugan is putting it to him. King Rats getting it. Look at JYD's pitching, and Dugan's going to be hitting home runs. Boy, I can't believe they're actually here. The dog threw him in and Dugan laid it on him. A home run for Axel Jim Dugan. And now Ted DiBiase's got no disqualification, boy. No, oh, no disqualification. No dis. Well, there it is. One, two. Great brother, Dugan one, Dugan the winner. Dugan threw the board down and, and jumped right on him. Dog. Look at the hard dog. It's hurt. You can still see how hurt dog is, but his heart came. He couldn't let Dugan go down to that kind of beating. Ted DiBiase, 
by his own words, will have to pack his bag and leave Mid-South. A tremendous wild battle. We have time remaining, so that means we'll have standby matches coming up right after this message. Well, there you hear it, Mike. Hacksaw Duggan defeating Ted DiBiase, seemingly sending him out of Mid-South Wrestling. The Road Warriors come in to help DiBiase. Again, this is where it gets weird. The Road Warriors have had no affiliation with Ted DiBiase ever in Mid-South Wrestling, but so many of the guys who were there that DiBiase did have an affiliation with, Akbar is not here. Butch Reed isn't here. So all of a sudden, the Road Warriors are getting involved, just like Buzz Sawyer and the Missing Link got involved earlier with King Kong Bundy. But to that point, the Junkyard Dog runs in to make the save with, I don't even know if it was a 2 by 4 It was a pretty skinny board, I have to say. And I'll let you take it from there. One thing, Buzz Sawyer getting involved in that match earlier with JYD, I guess that's fine because Buzz was at the Superdome. So there was a little bit more history, but I, I agree. You know, Butch Reed's not here. Akbar's not here. Uh, everybody who's been affiliated with DiBiase, I guess, is not here. So you run out the real worries. But to recap everything they had there, this was good. But I, I don't recall them saying this was no DQ at the beginning. So let me, before I wrap up this finish, did you hear them say no DQ? That was, I think, the one of the only things Jim Ross got out before he ran out of the ring. Yeah. Okay, so I missed that. All right, so fair enough. Um, so DiBiase, the fans are into this thing because he puts that figure four on Duggan. He starts cranking back, and Duggan's selling the hell out of it. When Duggan starts to turn, they've got the shot of the crowd at the side. They stand up. Everybody stands up, and they're cheering Duggan on to turn this figure four. And it just, it's just really a good scene because you're like, holy crap, man, these people are really into it. So he finally does turn it. But that was uh, the end of that because as he does that, holy crap, every that's when it breaks down. All of a sudden, the Royal Warriors come out to help DiBiase. They break the hold, the figure four, that is. Warriors, they hold DiBiase while DiBiase is just teeing off on Duggan. Magnum tries to make the save. I think Rue was even in there too at one point, but the the Road Warriors overpower them. Finally, finally, JYD comes out. He lays out DiBiase with a with a shot from the two by four to the back of DiBiase's head. And I know that didn't look like a real big two by four, but holy crap, it looked like it caught DiBiase in the back of the head. Uh, JYD then tees off on the Warriors, but the Warriors they eventually, you know, they're big dudes. They overpower JYD, and it appears. DiBiase is about to get dog uh, with, with the um, with the two by four, but Duggan wakes up from the dead and spears DiBiase, and then he works over DiBiase with the board some more. Duggan ends up getting a pin and wins. I mean, this was pretty damn wild. The crowd's going nuts. Probably would have went even more nuts had this been built up a little more, or you had more guys who were involved with Akbar as well, not just the Royal Warriors who like they've literally only seen now for two weeks. You know, Watts says DiBiase will have to pack his bags and leave Mid-South, and that's where we're at. So the only thing is, he doesn't say, he says leave Mid-South. He doesn't say how long or anything else. Just he's leaving. And I point that out because previously, whenever it's been Olympia or or when the dog left and he came back as Stagger Lee, you know, we, we, there was a specified time period where there were 60 or 90 days. So, but we don't get that here. We just, we're just told DiBiase is leaving. Well, coming out of that match, we go to our next match. Crusher Darso, or Crusher Darso, as Jim Ross says it, versus Johnny Rich, Randy Peewee Anderson, the referee. Let's hear a little bit from Cowboy Bill Watts about the previous match. 
See, I lost my voice on that last one. I'll guarantee you, I've never seen so much heart. I knew DiBiase had something planned. <clears throat> and it looked like the plan was to take the dog out where the dog couldn't help Dugan. And the Road Warriors, who had been embarrassed by Dugan, would be the perfect ploy to come in and jump Dugan in a no-disqualification situation. But the junkyard dog just had too much heart, too much courage. He and Hacksaw Dugan have got a bond. It's an unbreakable bond, a bond that they've both helped each other out now of unbelievable situations. What credit to both of those men. But Hacksaw Dugan has fulfilled his dream. He's fulfilled his first major goal in wrestling. He has forced the king of the Rat Pack, the Big Cheese, to have to leave Mid-South. And my congratulations, I just can't tell you, my heart is just bursting for those guys. It's just that courage, that tremendous courage, that tremendous desire, because Dog knew that if they could split them and put those two guys down, and they could force Dugan to leave, the Dog was at the mercy of all of these animals. And look at this man, this man right here, 300 pounds, brutal, brutal man. Tremendously strong, good athlete, you can tell. Good athlete. Johnny Rich is a great athlete, and yet this guy is just too awesome in power, too awesome in strength. Oh, reverse elbow. Boyd Pierce, I'm telling you, I'm just emotionally drained. I'm emotionally spent. I, I was cheering that thing. Uh, the, out there, I just I felt sure DiBiase had finally pulled off another coup and was going to force Jim Dugan to leave Mid-South. And he almost did, Bill, but a terrific display of courage, like you said, on the part of Hacksaw Jim Dugan and the junkyard dog. It's really something to behold, a really a common bond between two fine athletes, and we viewed it right here. Let me tell you, you've just seen some superstars in action. I mean superstars of the caliber of any All-American football player, any All-Pro football player, any world champion basketball player. These are superstars of professional wrestling. And the dog dragging himself out there, still hurt, to help his family shows you to what extreme he'll go and how much pain he'll endure. That's the, that's the kind of heart that everybody talks about, but it's only the kind of heart that some people are born. Well, there you hear it, Mike. Some words from a horse, Cowboy Bill Watts, about the previous match. Based on what he just said, I guess it ended up, it really was loser leaves town. I thought the stipulation was, if Ted DiBiase loses, he leaves town. I didn't know it was, if anyone loses, they leave town. I think that may have been the first time we heard that, right here after the fact. But what are your thoughts on what Cowboy Bill Watts is saying? And I guess even what are your thoughts about Crusher Darso versus Johnny Rich? I agree with you. I thought it was just DiBiase, not Duggan, but I don't know. It's it's confusing because they definitely never spelled it out like that leading up to this. They didn't they didn't say if Duggan lost he'd leave. It was just if DiBiase lost he would leave. So I you know I don't know what she could, he's saying it after the fact, but it it certainly we didn't understand it like that as it was happening. Um, wow, Watts. Not only does he sound a little hor, he sounds like he's physically drained. Like he just ran, you know, thirty stadiums and you know a, a bunch of wind sprints. He just sounds like man, he is gassed, and he is like, all right, well, this thing's about over, man. I don't, I don't have much more energy. So Watts, that last match took it all out of him. And as far as the match, I didn't really have too much. You know, Darso wins with the overhead backbreaker that he's been using, and um, he pretty much dominated Johnny Rich and. 
Uh, I hate to see that because, man, Johnny Rich has been a – he's actually been a really good hell of a competitor in that mid-card range in Mid-South. We've seen him do some – I mean, he hasn't won titles or anything, but he's done some good things here. So, you know, Johnny Rich kind of got squashed right there, and that was my only thoughts. Well, coming out of that, we go to our final match on this week's show, our final standby match. Boris Zerkoff and Doug Vines versus Magnum TA and George Weingroff. The bleachers are emptying as the match takes place, and this goes to your point earlier, Mike, about the weakness of the tag team division right now. Magnum TA is one of the tag team champions with Hacksaw Duggan. It's easy to forget that. We haven't seen them with the belts. We haven't seen them in a tag match together. There's been no mention of it really on the show. And here he is teamed with George Weingroff at the end of the show in a throwaway match. What are your thoughts about any of this? Yeah, the only match we've seen has been non-title, and it was T.A. and Duggan against the Road Warriors, and that's really it. Other than that, to the point you made either a week ago or two weeks ago, and you're like, the tag team division is like an afterthought. It's just kind of like, blah, it's there, but nobody's really talking about it, and it's definitely not what it's going to become in a few months. It's very, you know, I, it's weird because if you, you and I know Mid-South history, but if someone were... You know, one of our listeners just were to fly in and, you know, let's say they they'd never heard of this show. And I say one of our listeners, let's say somebody who listens to the 605 but has never listened to Mid-South or somebody listens to BTT and has never listened to the Mid-South show. But they've heard all these all these stories from Cornette and everybody about the tag team division in Mid-South. And let's say they just flew in and watched a couple of weeks from September of 83 and August of 83. And they were like. Wait, so Magnum and Duggan are the tag champs, but they're they never wrestle. They're never in the ring. And then on top of that, to the point you just made, here we have Doug Vines and Boris Zerkoff, who let's not forget Zerkoff, I guess technically is a former tag team champion as well, versus Magnum TA and George George Weingroff in a you know TV time remaining just throwaway match. So we've got a current champion not even tagging with his tag team partner because well he's he was involved in this loser leaves town thing earlier. Um, with George Weingroff, and it's nothing against him, against Doug Vines and Zerkoff. It's just, it's blah. I don't know how else to say it other than to say the, the, the Mid-South Tag Team Division, for what it's going to become with the many teams that end up involved in it, is just nothing right now. It's, it's a very, very, like, strange thing. It's an anomaly, I guess is the words I'm looking for, especially when you know what's coming. And like you said, man, you know, we're sitting here watching it or doing this review. The bleachers, they're just emptying out. These people are like, eh, well, this is nothing. I mean, yeah, we got Magnum TA. We love him, but eh, he's not even out there with a tag partner. And you see, that's the thing. Wrestling fans are smarter than, than most people give them credit for. Now, today's wrestling fans, they overanalyze everything too much, in my personal opinion. But, you know, wrestling fans are smarter than we give them credit for. And you're right. Here, they're showing you how smart they are because they're emptying out. They don't want to see this. It's just, it makes no sense. It's a throwaway match. You say Boris Zerkov was technically a tag team champion. It's a weird technicality. He became right. a tag team champion when Mr. Olympia and Ted DiBiase were the champions and DiBiase hurt his hand. So all of a sudden, Zerkov was just put into that championship tag team. And then DiBiase got back to full health. They were tag team champions, him and Olympia again. And then Olympia left the territory. So the match where they lost the belts, it was DiBiase and Zerkov. Losing the belts to Duggan and T.A. Which goes back to the point. 
<laughs> that you and I are making about this, this schizophrenic tag team division. It's like scrambled eggs, man. It's like somebody just like just dropped some scrambled eggs in a frying pan, just started beating them, and they're all scrambled. It's like, wait, oh, well, where was the yolk and where was the white? I don't know. It's all mixed together now. Who cares? You know, we're just going to eat this meal. But it just, it makes no sense. It's, and again, I mean, like, we're not, I don't know if we're being, we're trying to be very critical, but we're just trying to, Brian and I continue to drive the point home of how it's just really, really schizophrenic tag division. And, you know, I mean, yeah, we can make the point about how TA and Duggan aren't tagging together, right? And they haven't, they haven't really done anything outside of the Road Warriors match on TV since they won the belt. But then, you know, you just made that even greater point. Like, Zerkov just fell into a tag team title. He just literally, like, oh, damn, I stumbled into that. Well, look what just happened. Now I'm a tag champion. And, oh, wait, I was part of the team that never won it, but I was part of the team that actually technically lost it. It's just very, very schizophrenic. It's all scrambled eggs right now when we talk about the Mid-South Tag Division. But, like Brian and I say, it is going to get significantly better in the months to come. Well, with that, we wrap up another episode of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. A few notes here at the end. Want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts or on Facebook, facebook.com slash ArcadianVanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com, available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Do me a favor and give me a follow at Mike504Saints on Twitter. A lot of times I will post clips of the shows that Brian and I do uh, each and every week on the Mid-South Television Review Show. And um, I like posting those and seeing people's reactions, especially uh, when I posted recently the one of uh, Reeser Bowden smirking after an angry Andre shook Bill Watts to his core. I thought that was kind of funny as we revisited that. And then that tag team match with, I can't even remember the two guys' names, where one takes a bump and the other guy leg drops his opponent as he, or leg drops his own tag team partner as he bumped, which was very, very funny. So yes, follow me on Twitter at Mike504Saints. Also, come listen to Book in the Territory at tinyurl.com slash bttpod, or you can search Book in the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. Right now, we are into June and July of 1989 with our NWA Saturday Night on TBS Recaps, and we have just gone past the Flair and, I was about to say Flair and Funk, but we've gone past the Flair and Steamboat feud, which was phenomenal, and we enjoyed reviewing all those matches. And now we are into Flair and Funk, which is very, very good. We actually just did a review of Clash of the Champions 7, where the ridiculous ding-dongs make their debut. And Jim Ross, at the end of the match, was very curmudgeon, and I was proud of Jim. He said, huh, I guess the ding-and-dong won, and my God, that was terrible, or something to that effect. So JR was uh, being uh, curmudgeon back then, too, sometimes. Anyway, uh, come check us out again. It's tinyurl.com slash bttpod, or just search Booking the Territory, wherever you get your podcast from. We're the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast, where myself, Hardbody Hopper, and Doc Turner are not politically correct. The jokes are terrible, but we still have fun nonetheless. Brian, another fun show. I enjoyed it. Can't wait till next week. Well, until then, the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Nakarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! Tally-ho!